Welcome to Fresh Research, a podcast from the Nonprofit Times. We explore some of the most interesting and sometimes provocative findings focused on the world of nonprofits. Thanks for tuning in. Here at the Nonprofit Times, we see tons of great fresh research. So in each episode, we take a recent study or survey and have a conversation with the authors about what they found and why they think it's important for charities. We'll also give away some books and give you access to other valuable information from the Nonprofit Times. Overall giving rose 2% in 2020 compared to 2019, but online donations grew by 21%. Steve McLaughlin is Vice President Product Management at Blackbaud, and he visits this episode of the Fresh Research Podcast to break down the data in the Blackbaud Institute Charitable Giving Report. The report is based on more than $40 billion in giving to almost 8,900 nonprofits during 2020, including online giving of $3.2 billion to almost 5,000 nonprofits. Fundraising at the largest nonprofits, those that raise more than $10 million annually, jumped by 5.3%. Medium nonprofits of between $1 million and $10 million in fundraising revenue experienced just a 1.2% increase in donations, while the smallest nonprofits, those of less than $1 million, was the only category to see a drop, down 7.2%. But small organizations saw the biggest jump in online giving, and that's what Steve McLaughlin says is the big thing about 2020, digital adaptation. And now, here's my conversation with Steve McLaughlin of Blackboard. First impressions of this report as opposed to previous reports, uh, how would you describe it for folks? Is it something to be worried about? excited you know having watched the roller coaster ride of fundraising over the past year um i was pretty excited about the results given um just so many different things that we've seen uh, in the past year or so um we were you know for a decade now we've been tracking overall giving and online giving and um, every month looking at the data and looking at the trends. And in particular, obviously in 2020, we were looking at it constantly to see what was happening. And if you'd asked me, you know, uh, May, June of last year, if I thought giving was going to be in positive territory, I would have said no. <laughs> uh, you know, there was a, a definite roller coaster ride uh, in the data that we observed. Um, over time. But then we started to see a recovery in the third quarter of 2020. And then certainly the fourth quarter, the last sort of three months of the year were um, really positive. And that was a great sign um, to see. Certainly it's not true for all organizations, um, but there were some positive signs. Um, and there were some other interesting things we found in the data too. But all in all, I was pleasantly surprised and excited to see how 2020 ended up relative to what we probably thought it was going to be. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if you're talking uh, middle of the year or maybe right after the last Blackboard report came out, it was pretty uh, uh, worrisome, I would say, with uh, just at the beginning of COVID, uh, no one really knew what to expect. And, and the theory seems to be that even the beginning of the pre-COVID, giving was kind of slowing down, ground to a halt as, as the pandemic was declared and, and not you know, donors and everyone not really knowing what was next. And then everyone kind of pulling through later in the year when it was maybe a little bit more um, 
uh, optimistic, or at least uh, at the very least, realizing donors realizing that that charities really needed their help, especially folks like health, human services. Is that a, is that an accurate theory in terms of of how the Blackwell numbers went as well? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, you know, we could see in the data uh, certain organizations being impacted more than others. Right. So we we break it down into uh, multiple subsectors and you could see things like human services organizations, you know, up 12 percent on a year over year basis. But arts and culture organizations down nine and a half percent on a year over year basis. And that makes sense, right? Given what people were um, able to do or not able to do and and the response. Um, but certainly I think we saw, and this is something that we we talked about a lot in the past year, was that um, unlike a earthquake, natural disaster, other episodic event, really every charity was impacted by COVID in some way, either directly or indirectly in some ways. And so uh, we always were encouraging organizations to continue asking, to continue engaging, uh, to focus on what hasn't changed. Uh, and that does certainly show up um, in the numbers over time. In the uh, in the one year changes, was that the case where, where uh, certain subsectors really drove the increases like human services and others that, um, you know, food banks and that kind of thing, whereas um, arts kind of had a down year, relatively speaking, of course. Yeah, so when we, you know, a little bit of behind the science here. So, you know, this year we looked at a little over $40 billion in charitable giving in the U.S. We go through a lot of rigor to make sure that that, um, that data set is statistically significant and accurate um, we do things like making sure that we've got, you know, more than 24 months of continuous data from an organization. So we're really truly doing apples to apples comparison. And then we take all those organizations and we map them, at least for the U.S. charities, to their um, NTE code, which is the National Tax Exempt Entity Code from the IRS. And that's how we put them into categories. They're not our categories. They're, in fact, the, the NTE categories like animal welfare, arts and culture, human services, healthcare, et cetera. Um, and then we weight those sectors based on giving USA's research over you know, 50 or more years in terms of where the, um, the weighting of giving comes from. So as an example, to circle back to your question, I, th I believe the last time I looked at it, if memory serves me correct, arts and culture is only about 3% of charitable giving in the US. So, you know, they could have uh, an, uh, you know, a not so good year and it would not necessarily um, drive the overall number uh, on charitable giving because of the percentage. That's not to discount the impact there. And it, it certainly felt by those organizations, um, but that's the, that is the beauty of math and statistics to balance out the data and certainly organizations on the human services side, um, faith-based organizations, you know, other organizations really did see a, a positive shift in giving. Um, and that's to be expected. We've seen that historically when these um, type of events happen. Um, it was interesting, you know, we first, when, when COVID-19 really started to impact charitable giving, let's say the March, April 2020 timeframe, 
we started going through the archives of <laughs> a lot of, of historical data that we had. We went back to the previous recession. So we were looking at 2007, 2008, 2009 to try and compare it. Um, uh, and we did see similar patterns giving shifts to certain types of nonprofits where the need is certainly greater or at least uh, the, the awareness and visibility of that need is greater. So we saw those shifts. Although I would say um, the recovery happened a lot faster than the recovery from the you know 2008 recession, um, which was you know interesting to observe. And at least we had some historical something to compare it to, which is always helpful. Sure. Um, and in that same way, can you is there an explanation for one thing that struck me was um, small organizations didn't do as well as large organizations. Uh, yet uh, online, small organizations did really well. Does that go back to just being fewer small organizations or fewer small organizations being part of the numbers? So the percentage is easier to, uh, more likely to, to jump? No, it's not really the, the data set uh, weighting or anything like that. Cause it's, you know, there's, you know plenty of small, medium and large size organizations. And when we break the data set down, so we define an organization as being small as those that have less than a million dollars a year in annual fundraising revenue. Medium is one to 10 million and large is more than 10 million in annual fundraising revenue. And I think, you know, as you noted, smaller organizations were down year over year, um, almost 5%. And I think that does mirror things we've seen before. You know, if you're a nonprofit organization and, you know, less than a million dollars a year of your revenue comes from fundraising, if you had events, if you had, um, you know, certain uh, donor retention problems, or maybe that, that major uh, gift donor that in the past really drove a lot of that giving, um, it didn't happen for you in 2020 you know, it's, it's hard to make up that ground. Um, you know, uh, if, a if a smaller organization, uh, doesn't, you know, raise a hundred thousand dollars from an event that is more impactful than a organization that raises $30 million a year. Um, you know, and so we'll, we'll certainly watch to see the recovery, um, of those, of those organizations. Uh, over time. We'll have more with Steve McLaughlin of Blackblood right after this. If you like what you're hearing, share it with friends and colleagues on social media. Use the hashtag FreshResearch or retweet the Nonprofit Times link, and you'll be eligible to win a book from the NPT Library. Another way for folks to find the show, rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a nonprofit executive director, communications person, fundraiser, or other senior leader, chances are you're looking for ways to grow your expertise, keep on top of what's happening in the nonprofit world, and looking for inspiration. That's why you're listening to this podcast right now, I bet. I'm Sarah Durham, and I'm the host of the Smart Communications Podcast. Twice a month, we drop a short podcast, usually about 10 to 20 minutes long, on a topic that will help you become a smarter communicator. 
We've interviewed fundraising experts about why galas might be dead, executive directors about how they recharge, take sabbaticals, and use their values to lead, and done deep dives into subjects like how to do equitable and community-centric research, branding, campaigns, and more. Check out the Smart Communications Podcast in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. More than 30 years, the Nonprofit Times has been the leading business publication for nonprofit management. To subscribe, visit shopthenonprofittimes.com. You'll also find special issue coverage, relevant research like our salary and benefits report and best nonprofits to work for, plus other special reports and webinars. And keep up with the latest breaking news and in-depth reporting at thenonprofittimes.com. And now back to Steve McLaughlin on the Blackboard Institute Charitable Giving Report. Those small organizations, like you mentioned, events, maybe they shifted to virtual events and thus that would be counted as, as online, which may have boosted their online numbers. It could be. It could also be, you know, did those organizations pull back and stop asking? And um, I would say, you know, there's probably more questions and answers there. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, over the years, you know, as we've talked about this, this data, I think what's helpful is not so much the overall trend, but to actually, you know, double click into the individual sizes of organizations or subsectors because you know there are definite, you know, variations uh, that we see in the in the data set. You know what I like about it too the the report is the uh, you also provide the three year rolling trends or rolling averages, which is you know much more of a less of a snapshot of of say the one year and more of a, a general kind of look and, and it shows uh, overall is 5.3% over three years. So, which is also, I would think good news for, for charities. Yeah. Yeah. The three-year trend is something we started last year um, just to, to take another view at it. And, and to your point, that would look at 2018, 2019 and 2020. And again, we would, we'd go through all the statistical rigor. It's organizations, the same organizations over that three-year Time frame, um, and you know, so we saw uh, growth in giving there of about five point three percent. You know, large organizations up over seven percent, medium organizations up seven percent. So the three years um, is is positive to see. Um, you know, uh, and, and it'll take us a few years before the twenty twenty. You know, let's hope it's uh, an anomaly <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, on a lot of levels, but um, to see that get smoothed out in the data. Did the pandemic accelerate uh, trends in any ways? Uh, that, that seems to be the case in, in different industries that things happened a lot faster that were already kind of occurring slowly. Um, and I, I ask that because when I look at, say, the, the, the mobile number that I always see in the Blackboard report about what percentage of online donations come from mobile, if you track it back, it almost looks like a math problem. Like what's the next number in the sequence? It's almost identical. Uh, every few years, it's it's up a percentage to 28% for mobile of online giving. Yeah, we've looked at that for a number of years. Um, you know, I think it's it's growing at about 2% every year now um, that we're, we're well into the hockey stick mm-hmm. piece of that. But it's growing at 28%, and I would expect that to continue. 
you know, now it becomes one of those statistics that um, when it was less than 20%, um, it was, you know, when will it get there? And then when does it get to 25%? And now, you know, certainly I don't think anyone is debating the importance of mobile devices and, and the engagement of donors on that. And I would think you would expect that to continue over time. Um, you know, that was the mobile thing was, was expected. And I think you'll see that continue to climb for me, you know, the, the biggest change we saw in giving in 2020 was the online component. Um, you know, I've been looking at this data for 16 years now. Um, and you know, every year I'm asked, boy, it's giving on online giving is less than 10%. Boy, that seems like it should be more than that. Right. You know, everyone always says that, whether it's people who understand the sector or, or those who are, who are learning more about it. Um, and, you know, for years I've had to say online giving is fantastic. It's great. There's a lot of positives there, but it still represents less than 10% of giving. And you need to, you know, think about that. But certainly in 2020 is, is where we we saw you know a significant shift, um, and I think really a pivotal moment for online giving. So in 2020, we reached 13% of overall giving um, coming from online, and that tracked pretty closely with online retail sales. Um, I've been tracking those again side by side for 16 years. Um, you know, online retail had a huge jump um, during the pandemic, it continues to, uh, mm -hmm. and we saw the same thing with online giving, but more telling to me, and so that's the big thing, like, you know, online giving is now more than 10%, and, and it is um, for different sizes of organizations, and that's a positive, certainly, but the other thing that was just really fascinating to watch was, as overall giving struggled especially the middle part of 2020 online giving was was really holding <laughs> holding up uh the dam if you will um in, in the second quarter of 2020 when overall giving was down eight percent online giving was up 36 percent oh wow and so you just see this you know for years you know people have been talking about uh, digital transformation you know caterpillars turning into butterflies and all that type of stuff. But for me, what really happened in 2020 was digital adaptation. Um, you didn't really have a choice. Right. Um, you didn't have a choice about your, your preference for Zoom or WebEx or Teams or Slack or whatever you use for virtual meetings. Like you just had to do it. Um, and so we saw this big shift, but certainly the shift was also um, consumer driven because in so many ways, consumer behavior mirrors donor behavior because the common denominator are humans. And so as they shift, you know, or shifted in the past to a lot more online um, experiences, you saw that shift as well with, with online giving as well. Um, you know, so online was up, you know, 21% or so in, in 2020 uh, really positive growth rates across the board. But for me, it was, it was finally the year where we got past 10% because I've been being asked for over a decade. And, you know, uh, now we'll have to see what happens, what happens next. Yeah. And there's still plenty of room to grow in that area because if you, when I mentioned the 28% number, 
of online came from mobile. So that's still a, sub, a small section of an, a small section of online giving. Yeah, there's still tremendous upside, and you know, um, I, I go back and forth because uh, about online versus overall. You know, online giving's been around more than 20 years now, so it's not a new new thing anymore, and it is a channel. And you know, one of the most common questions, debates that comes up is, well, you know, what caused that online gift? And uh, you know, there's a few. <laughs> a few, you know, beliefs I have that I would probably carve in a stone tablet. And one of them is don't confuse the channel of engagement with the channel of the transaction. Right. It is entirely possible. In fact, it more than likely is true that that online gift may have been driven by a phone call, a, um, a virtual event, a direct mail piece, uh, uh, something that they saw on television or in a news article. And so, um, I'm not, I'm not going to dig too much into the, well, where, what caused that to happen? Um, but I think it's important to understand where, when, you know, when, when these things happen and, and we know this historically from other major events, uh, in the past, um, that online is the first response channel of choice for donors, right? When something happens, in the moment, they're going online. They're not waiting for the the direct mail piece to show up in the mailbox or the the phone the phone call or the event or the what you know whatever carrier pigeon whatever it happens to be that online is where they go to um, first. And um, you know, I, again, we're just seeing this play out again and again. Mm -hmm. For sure, yeah. We talked about that before between you know the 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 uh, direct mail dead kind of folks, uh, or I should say the, uh, what's the phrase, you know, the, the, death, the death of direct mail was uh, premature and, uh, yeah, and, I mean, and they've online been, giving mirroring, uh, mirroring consumer, consumer yeah. behavior. People have been predicting the death of direct mail for probably 30 years and right. it hasn't happened. To me, the only thing that really truly is dead is single channel engagement. That if you are only using a single channel to engage with, with supporters, that that doesn't work or does not work nearly as well as engaging with, with multiple channels. Um, and, you know, I think that continues. The other thing that was interesting in the data too, in terms of things that changed um, more than just, you know, incremental was we saw a pretty significant uptick in average gift amounts. And again, if, if, you go back to 2020, if you'd asked me, do you think giving is gonna grow? Do you think online is gonna grow mega big time? And do you think average gift amounts are gonna go up? I maybe would have picked one out of the three, but not all three, but we saw a pretty significant uptick in average gift amounts. So that tells you not only were people giving, but people were actually more generous in a time when um, you have a lot of headwinds, right? Uh, we had a lot of economic uncertainty for in 2020 with uh, the stock market riding the roller coaster, uh, unemployment, uh, <laughs> the pandemic, the impact on our personal lives, professional lives, um, the election cycle, all those things. So it was good to see average gift amounts go up. We saw in 2019, the average gift amount 
was $617. That went up to $737 in 2020. Um, and online, which always has had a really strong average gift amount, uh, the average gift amount in 2019 was $148. It jumped up to 177 in 2020. Uh, what will be interesting to see is, does that continue? Um, you know, do we continue to see that and giving at those levels? And certainly we'll keep an eye on that. Mm -hmm. and, and what kind of impact um, do you think uh, Giving Tuesday and Giving Tuesday now had on, on these numbers? Is there any way to, to figure that out? You know, we've, we've looked at it. Certainly those are important days um, during the calendar year. Uh, there were, there were as, you, as you noted, there was Giving Tuesday now and then Giving Tuesday in its traditional uh, end of November, beginning of December um, timeframe. Those are, you know, I, I think were, were helpful. We saw really positive growth on both days compared to prior years. And, and that was positive. It's just it sometimes gets tricky because it's just a single 24 hour period. Um, and from the data that we look at, it's certainly a, a big day of the year every year, but it's by no means the largest or, you know, some of the largest days of the year. Um, I think you are definitely starting to see <clears throat> the, the power and attractiveness of giving days coming to play with charities. Um, but I'm starting to see a lot of charities choose to break out and do their own giving day, maybe on a, on a separate day that is either more meaningful to that organization or to their donors in some way. Um, but all these things are positive, right? Um, you know, I think they'll continue to be positive and you'll continue to see growth in them over time. Is there anything that, uh, that folks should be worried about coming out of these numbers that, that may be uh, either under the radar or something to, to kind of keep in the back of your head being a little pessimistic? <laughs> yeah, the, the what's the glasses half empty right. bowl, perhaps. Um, you know, the the thing that I think continues to just be a challenge. You know, we saw a little bit of an uptick in donor retention rates in 2020, which was which was positive. But you know, uptick is in first year offline donor retention is still just 29. percent I think we moved up. You know, two or three points from the prior year, but but twenty nine percent first year online donor retention um, is not is not good, right? If you owned a restaurant or anything else, and only three out of every ten people came back, uh, you would really struggle. And and I would say the word of caution is a lot of organizations in twenty twenty uh, likely um, acquired new donors. Um, they also probably reactivated lapsed donors from the past. You really got to be focusing in 2021 to retain them. Um, it will be a really uh, a wasted opportunity if we continue to have some of these anemic um, retention rates. Uh, and online actually tends to be lower than 29%. You know, I would I would be really focusing on my communications and my engagement with these reactivated donors or newly acquired donors and existing donors to really talk about the impact of their giving on the mission, on the organization, and really try to improve that, um, that retention rate because um, it just has so many benefits uh, with, uh, 
you know, sort of planning for fundraising, budgeting, those types of things, predictability, sustainability on the giving side, when you can improve that overall retention rate. Well, Steve, thanks. Anything that um, anything that we haven't talked about that you think should be mentioned, or uh, you know, maybe a little nugget under the radar that that folks should uh, should keep an eye on going forward. Uh, I would say, you know, we every quarter will will be publishing updates on 2021 trends. So certainly, we're going to be keeping an eye on what what's happening in 2021. Are we seeing similar trends? I know through at least uh, January of 2021, giving was still up. Uh, which was pretty positive. Um, so I would just encourage, uh, you know, listeners to, you know, we're on a month, on a sort of quarterly basis, we're updating the, the Blackbot Institute website with the latest trends and data. And um, I always encourage, you know, compare, your mileage may vary, compare your results to these results and see whether you're under or overperforming or maybe somewhere in between. Steve, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Thanks again to Steve McLaughlin, Vice President Product Management at Blackboard, for joining us on this episode to talk about the Blackboard Institute Charitable Giving Report. You can find a link to the full report in the story notes. Be sure to rate the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and feel free to shoot me an email at mark, M-A-R-K, at mptimes.com with any feedback or suggestions on future shows. I'm Mark Harivna for the Nonprofit Times. Thanks for listening to this episode, and we'll catch you next time on the Fresh Research Podcast. That's our episode for today. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share the Fresh Research link on Twitter or Facebook to be eligible to win something from the NPT Library. You can also share on social media with the hashtag Fresh Research. And if you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been Fresh Research, a podcast from the Nonprofit Times, spotlighting research and trends in the philanthropic sector. Until next time, keep up with us at the nonprofittimes.com for all your nonprofit news.